Jesus uh, told a lot of stories, and uh, we have many of them recorded in Scripture. One of the stories he told, he, he talked about a, a smart leader who gave responsibility to some of his employees as he was heading out of town. And he invested some things in each one of them. And then when he came back, those that had done well with the investment he had given them, he said these words to them. And these are the words that Jesus said in the story. This leader said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You've been faithful with the small things. I will put you in charge of larger things. It was Jesus' way of saying to those who were listening, to his followers, that the small things matter. What we do with the small things in our life matters to God. Sometimes God is moving in these small, almost imperceptible ways that are happening around us. And we need to be, have our eyes open to what he's doing in the small things. So the, the way we use the little bit of free time we have at the end of the day, that, that matters to God. How we use the money that we have left over after we pay our bills and cover costs. What do we do with that extra money that we have? The, the words that we say to our friends. How we use our time. All of that matters to God. This is our, our final week talking about these small things. We spent a couple weeks looking at the small things that Jesus told stories about and how they mattered and how these small things matter. So two weeks ago, Nate Severson talked about seeds. What are you, what are you planting in your life? Uh, last week, we talked about yeast. What is fermenting in your heart and in your soul? What is coming out of you as you're interacting with other people? And today, we're going to talk about salt. How salty are you? What makes you salty? Because Jesus spoke about these small little things. Salt is a small thing, but it makes a big difference. It changes things, doesn't it? Uh, this is my first real snowstorm in the Kansas City area, like snow on the ground. And uh, going around yesterday, the sidewalks are covered with salt, right, to melt that, that ice to kind of break through that. It makes a difference when we season our food with, with salt. It makes a difference. Salt uh, also attracts things. It draws things in. I don't know if you know this, but it brings things together. When I moved to Colorado Springs with my family when I was in high school, we moved into a house up on a ridge overlooking the Air Force Academy. It was an awesome place to have a, a house. And uh, we moved from New Jersey. And one of the things we quickly discovered in Colorado Springs is the wildlife. My dad was so excited. There were deer in our backyard and in our front yard, they just kind of wander through the neighborhood. And my dad wanted to attract the deer to our house. So he got this big block of salt called a salt lake. And from New Jersey, I knew all about like saltwater taffy, but this was like the first salt block I'd ever seen, size of a toaster. And, um, and he'd put it on the, the, a stump in the backyard, kind of, we had this big hill in our backyard and about 10 feet from our, the back of our house was this stump. And so he put that salt lick on there and the deer would just come and enjoy licking the salt. I don't, I don't know what it is about salt, but they, they love it. And uh, I came home one day from school, and I was out in the backyard with my dog, and the salt lick was missing from the stump. And I thought, well, what happened to it? Did they carry it away? Like, what did, what did the deer do? And uh, I found it like 10, 15 feet down the hill. It rolled off the stump down the hill into the brush, and so I found it down there, and I brought it back up, and I put it on the stump. And a couple days later, same thing, missing again. I'm like, man, they are after that salt. This time it was further down, like 25 feet or so, found it in the brush, brought it back up. Third time it happened, a couple days later, I'm coming back up. I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to anchor this block of salt to this stump so it stops rolling down the hill? And I'm coming up the hill, trudging through the brush, tired, and my dad comes out on the porch, and he sees me carrying this big chunk of salt. And he goes, Nate, what are you doing? So I'm bringing the salt lick up. The deer keep knocking it down the hill. My dad just rolled his eyes. He goes, I've been throwing that thing down the hill for the last month. 
Um, the, the deer are eating our new trees. You know, the new trees have little buds on them, and the deer are eating all the tree buds, and, and I want my, the trees to survive. He goes, and you're bringing it back up every day. He goes, I've been wondering, how is that salt, like, making it back up to the stump? And you've been, we've been working against each other. Uh, but that's what, I mean, salt brings the deer. And, and Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, and it's because we're supposed to bring people we're supposed to attract people towards the kingdom of God, towards what God is doing in our lives. Jesus talked about this often in the Gospels, and one of the clear places he talks about it is in Matthew chapter 5. I just want to invite you to open up to Matthew 5. And uh, it's, it's during what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is on a mountainside. He's got his, his disciples there. He's got a crowd behind them, and he's teaching them. And it's one of the longer teachings that we have of Jesus in the Bible, and he's talking about like the Old Testament law. This is how you grew up as a Jewish person. These are the, the laws of the Old Testament. And here's what they mean today. Here's what it looks like to live that out in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way. And Jesus was helping them see a new way of life. And in Matthew 5, verse 13, he's talking about salt and about light. And uh, let me just read these words to you. Uh, again, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they place it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said, you are the salt. You are the salt. He didn't say, try to become the salt. He didn't say, create salt in your life. Work really hard to be salty. He just said, you are the salt of the earth. A small thing that makes a big impact. It brings out the essence of food. It magnifies, it focuses attention. It wakes up the flavors of the ingredients that it's added to. Jesus says, you are the salt He's saying that those who follow him, those who surrender their lives to Jesus, they have a, a unique God-honoring lifestyle that is attractive to other people, that draws other people, that they might wonder what God is doing in the world today, that they might wonder what God's doing in your life. If you have submitted yourself to Christ, if you've understood that you need forgiveness, that there's choices you've made, there's a way you live that pushes God away, the Bible calls it sin, the ways we rebel against God, You've acknowledged that. You see that in your life and you said, I need forgiveness. And you've received the forgiveness that Jesus offers you. If you've taken your life and put it before God as, an, as a sacrifice, as an offering, said, my life is yours. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Mark 9 records this language as well. Jesus speaking again and Jesus says these words, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. That's a powerful image. It kind of catches you off guard. I just want you to know Jesus is speaking in hyperbole here. He doesn't want you pulling the eye out of your head. Earlier in the passage, he talks about cutting off your hand if it causes you to sin. He doesn't want you actually doing that. What he's saying is this is serious stuff. If there are things in your life that are a barrier to what God wants to do, if there's things in your life that don't honor God or glorify God, Jesus says, take them seriously and get that right with God. And then he says, everyone will be salted with fire. 
Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Everyone will be salted with fire. Jesus here is helping his listeners understand that when we offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God, as an offering to God, that we are like that salt. When we give ourselves over to him, we give him everything we have, our eyes, our hands, all that we are, to honor God, to glorify who he is, so that others might come to know him. When we do that, when we are a sacrifice before God, it says we're like salt in the world. Uh, Paul would later talk about how we're living sacrifices in the book of Romans. Because you're a living sacrifice. That should be your act of worship. What's the difference between a sacrifice and a living sacrifice? Right? The, the living sacrifice can crawl off the altar. Right? A living sacrifice has to choose every day that I'm going to surrender my life to God. I'm going to keep myself surrendered on the altar. I'm going to stay sacrificed to him. We are a living sacrifice. The Old Testament said that when you offer things to God, when you make sacrifices to him, you put salt on them. That's what it says. Leviticus chapter 2. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all of your offerings, your sacrifices. Sprinkle them with salt. Why, why was that? For the ancient people, salt was symbolic of so many things for them. It was, a, it was a way of agreement, of creating agreements with other people. God, we have an agreement with you, so we put salt on our sacrifices. There was value to salt. At times, they would use it for trading and using it like money almost. It had value. It was used to purify things. All these great symbols that salt had. Today, we, we melt ice and we put it on food, but for the ancient people, they used it in all sorts of ways to bring life, to add value. And God says, sprinkle that on your offerings. Be reminded that there's value and what you're doing when you offer things to me. Jesus said, you are the salt. Because when you become an offering to God, he, he puts salt in your life. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. And the power and the presence of the Spirit of God walks with you when you come into a conversation, when you go to work, when you go to school. You bring the Spirit of God with you, the flavor of God. That's what we're called to do as the salt of the earth, to bring out the God flavors in the places where we are. But there's many of us that struggle to believe this is true. Many of us as followers of Jesus have a hard time understanding that we are salt, that, that we're called to live that way. Last week, uh, Rick Mumford did a seminar on sharing our faith with others, on being salt, and he, he shared some survey results from a group called Barna. Barna sits with people or calls people up and asks them questions, interviews, looks for trends, and, and they sat with hundreds of people who identify as Christian and he asked them to rate themselves on a scale or rate statements based on if they agree with those statements or disagree with those statements. And I just want to share one of the statements that they made on the screen here. Um, they, they said to people, how much do you agree with this statement or disagree? I have a personal responsibility to tell other people about my religious beliefs. I have a personal responsibility. It's my job to be salt. It's my job to share what I believe with others. How many people agreed with that and disagreed with that? Well, it might be hard to see from where you're at, but basically the, the green, the right side of the circle, the green and the purple, are those that agreed in some magnitude with that statement. 41% agreed. It's my personal responsibility. These are Christians. 59% of those who follow Jesus who are Christians don't believe it's their responsibility to share their faith with others, to express their faith in ways that others might come to know God. They don't believe that they're the salt that Jesus is talking about. And there's a variety of reasons, I'm sure, why sometimes we believe this. 
We think maybe other people are better at it. They're the ones that are supposed to do it. Or I've made mistakes in my life and I'm, I'm not qualified to do it. We could be bringing out the flavor and the wonder of God's amazing grace and love. We could be adding depth in our neighborhood. We could be helping our friends at school know God. We might be able to encourage the faith of those we work with. But we've forgotten that we're salt. And salt's going to do what salt does. I mean, salt it's a very stable compound. It's interesting, when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of them talk about the salthood of those who are following Jesus. They record Jesus' words, and there's a phrase that's repeated over in each one of these stories. Jesus says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And many of us assume that we think Jesus means, well, I can lose my saltiness then. I can lose my ability to have an effect on those around me. If I mess up in some certain way, if my life takes a turn, if I make a choice that's destructive, if I do certain things, I've disqualified myself, and I'm no longer the salty ones that Jesus is talking about. We kind of put it on our shoulders. I'm no longer able to live out my unique God-honoring lifestyle because of the thing I've done, or I haven't lived good enough, I'm not the great person I, I should be, and I think I'm disqualified, and we think, well, that's what Jesus means if I lose my saltiness. In fact, there's some study notes I came across as I was preparing for this morning, and one of the Bibles I have, and it, the study note said this, if a seasoning has no flavor, it has no value. If Christians make no effort to affect the world around them, they are of little value to God. I, I couldn't disagree with that statement anymore. We are not valuable to God because he can use us to make a difference in the world. Our value is found because we're created in his image. We are his children we are made by him. He loves us, not because of anything we do, but simply because we are his. But often this is how we think about this phrase, if I lose my saltiness, well, I'm not doing the right stuff in the right way. It's all about what I've done and haven't done, and I'm disqualifying myself. You have incredible value to God no matter what. You are salt, and salt is salt. It's state. Let me, let's do a little chemistry lesson here real quick, okay? I'm not an expert in chemistry in any way, but salt is a very stable compound. It's made up of sodium and chloride. And, and we know that these elements, they want to fill their outer shell with eight electrons. All right, if you guys, let's go back to high school chemistry together. Uh, they need eight electrons to be very stable. So sodium has one loose electron on its outer shell just flying around out there. So it's looking, it's looking for seven other electrons to fill out its outer shell. Well, chlorine has seven electrons flying around. It's looking for one more. So when those two come together and form salt, it's a very stable ionic compound. It's solid. It doesn't change. It's salt. It's salty. It just is. That's the reality. If you're going to change that, you have to put incredible pressure and heat on it to change it from what it is. Salt is salty. That's just what it does. It doesn't lose its saltiness. So what is Jesus saying when he says if salt loses its saltiness? There's a lot of different ways that people have written about this, and I'm going to bring you my perspective this morning. Salt is isn't salty because it's not close to the thing that needs the salt. Salt appears not to be salty because it's not in proximity to the thing that it is trying to bring salt to. The problem that Jesus is identifying for us, I think, today is that we're not close to those who need to know God. We're not in proximity to the people that need the salt of God in their life to bring out the flavor of God. As salt, you are certainly valuable to God, but if you aren't close to the people that need to know God, then you're of little value to them because you're not bringing what God has invited us to bring into their lives, to be the salt. Salt must be close to the thing it will season. Without proximity, there is no effect. 
We've got to get out of the salt shaker. We've got to get into the mix. We've got to get into the places where God wants us. And Jesus connects this idea of salt. He also talks about light. And he talks about a city on a hill. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You just don't do that. Light is light. It's going to illuminate the dark places. A city on a hill. It's going to be a city on a hill. You can't hide it. It's simply there. You are the salt of the earth. You're salt. You don't have to try to earn that or figure it out. You're just salt. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, you are salt. Something small that brings out the big flavors of God in this world. It's just what we do. You are the salt. You've got to get close to the things, the people that need to know God, that need to engage with what God is doing in their lives. And salt, it's not about us. This isn't about us. It's about glorifying God. I like how Tim Keller writes about this. He's a pastor and an author, and he writes about salt. He says this, the job of the salt was to make something taste good. I don't know about you, but I can't stand corn on the cob without salt on it, he writes. Uh, When I've eaten a piece of corn on the cob that I really like, I put it down, and what do I say? That was great salt? No, I say that was a great corn on the cob. Why? Because the job of the salt is not to make you think about how great the salt is, but how great the thing is with which it's involved. That people will see the good deeds in our life and glorify our Father in heaven. Salt is about bringing out the God flavors of the world. We don't bring the focus on ourselves. We glorify the one who saved us and has given us life. And we need to be close to those who are living outside of what God has for them. So they might see what God is doing in their world today. That's how we live out our saltiness. Paul would write to his friends in Colossae. He would say these words. Be wise in the way you act towards people who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let the words you speak always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Then you will know how to answer everyone. See, when we build relationships with those who don't believe in Jesus yet, we have this opportunity, this possibility to be salty in their lives. There are moments when we can illuminate the presence of God and operation in their world. And it's almost like we bring a spiritual pop into their lives. When we say, well, here's what God's been doing in my life, or I was praying about this thing and God came through and, and they're hearing these words and it brings something different to the realities. There's the chef, Emeril Lagasse, who's been making food on TV for like 25 years. And he's known for when he adds ingredients to a recipe, he says, bam. So he's making, he's making spaghetti sauce. He goes, this spaghetti needs a little, a little oregano, bam. And he throws the spices into the pot. And that's kind of what he's known for, the bam. That's what we are as the salt of the earth. We bring that bam to people's lives. We, open, we can open their eyes. God might open their eyes to his reality his presence in their lives, that he is an operation around them. It's got to, the salt's got to get into the recipe. That's the problem for most of us as followers of Jesus. We're just not close enough to people who are, have yet to receive what Jesus has done for them. Those that are far from God, we have a hard time building real friendships with them, getting close to them. And that's the challenge for us. If we're going to be salty, we've got to be out of that salt shaker and into the mix. There's a great book by that name, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, Evangelism as a Way of Life. It's written by Rebecca Pipert. And I, you know, it's an old book. It's an oldie buddy goodie. It's been around for a long time. But if you haven't picked up that book, I want to encourage you to do that. I can get you a copy. There's probably a copy in the library here. But it just gets into practical ways that we can step outside the salt shaker and bring seasoning and spice, the spice of God, to those around us. I'd love for each of us to take time right now to think of one person that God might invite us to live out this this saltiness toward 
One person in our world, maybe as we move into this new year, one person that, that we would build that relationship with, that, that they might come to know Jesus. And maybe it's going to be a new relationship. Maybe you need to engage with some new people, find new ways to, to grow that relationship with those who have yet to come to know Jesus, so they might understand what Jesus has done for them. Out in the lobby, there's a little stand with salt on it. Uh, you know how we are with, uh, you know, uh, illustrations here. So I want to invite you to pick up a little packet of salt as you leave this morning and uh, just keep it in your pocket. Uh, just throughout the day as you see it, be reminded that you are the salt. It says single serve on it, single serve packet. So that's what, sink one person, one person that, that you can be salt to as we move into this new year. Who could that be for you? We, we do this individually, but we also do it as a community of faith. This is something we can practice together learning how to be salty to those around us. I just want to share one example of what that could look like for us, a ways that we can be salty. I want to invite Kathy to come up. Uh, lately, we've been talking about Freedom Fire a bit, and uh, we just finished up December. They were our Advent conspiracy uh, this month, uh, last month in December, and we raised, we set a goal, and we beat the goal. We, we raised over $50,000 for Freedom Fire. So as they move into this year, they're going to have new transportation, new opportunities to connect with kids in the inner city. They've been around for 25-some years, uh, Freedom Fire has, investing in neighborhoods that are challenged and, and kids that are in difficult situations in the inner city here in Kansas City. And they, they just come alongside people and offer friendship, and they offer the love of God to them. And God is using Freedom Fire to bring people into different, uh, a new reality, new connection with God. And Kathy's part of the team that's helping to keep us connected in partnership with Freedom Fire. And I'm so excited we could give them this money, but we want to do more than just write a check. We want to show up physically. We want to be with them, serving with them. And again, this is a way we can practice being the salt of the earth. So Kathy, what are some ways, practical ways we can be salty with Freedom Fire this year? Yeah, so I'm part of the missions team, and we've really been trying to find some local ways for us to get involved locally and making it easy for our congregation. And so we partnered with Nate Severson in his area, and we're going to do two things a month. We're going to just start here. So every second Monday of the month, we're going to go to the worship wagon, which is like a mobile church to people that are homeless and living under bridges. And so they do worship, they do a message, and then we offer prayer. So we'll just be able to assist them however we can. We're going to meet in the parking lot every second Monday at 5.15 and just carpool down together. And then every fourth Friday, we'll send this information out so you don't have to remember the details, but every fourth Friday, we're going to meet here at 5.30. We're going to go down to Freedom Fire, and that's for grade school kids. So if you love hanging out with kids, bring your family. They have a program that's all set. We don't have to do anything but just participate. And they'll do games. They do a little devotional. We share a meal together. And then we'd return here by about 5.30. So we we're just excited about offering these new opportunities, and Bruce McGregor is super excited to have us coming down as well. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. Yeah. Thanks so much. Let's give Kathy a hand. Thanks for sharing with us. Oh, yeah, you can see. Yeah. Freedom Fire does so much to bring hope and health to families all around the Kansas City area. Um, we're, we're partnering with people all around the world, but locally, there's four main things we're doing as a church Freedom Fire, Michigan Alante, uh, which works uh, with uh, immigrant communities, and uh, then the Briarwood Elementary School, right close to the church here, we partner with them, and uh, this week we're bringing a meal over for the teachers just to appreciate them and the difficult season they're in right now. And then refugee connections we also make through Nate Severson and, and Tally's connection with some of the Middle Eastern immigrants that are in our neighborhood. And we're, we're starting to do some uh, meals again 
with those, uh, those families. And I'm excited. Nate was just sharing with me on um, January 29th, a Saturday night, we're going to have a dinner with several different immigrant families that have been connected to Hillcrest in the past. And they just want to share stories of how Hillcrest has made a difference in their family. And as we start moving into a season again where we can have meals with, with these new friends that are moving into Kansas City, we can be an encouragement to them. So there's so many ways we can be salt together. And that is important. And it gives us a good chance to practice, to practice being salt. But then also there's this call that you individually are being salty in the life of one other person. I want to encourage you to think about that this morning. Again, the challenge is that we're not coming alongside people who are far from God. When we're not at work or at school, often we're, we're around people that believe similarly to what we believe in. Our, many of our closest friends believe what we believe, and that's beautiful and important and good. But God is calling us out. You are the salt of the earth. Maybe you need to create some new kind of connections this year. First six months I've lived here in Kansas City, I've just loved getting to know many of you, having coffee and lunch and dinner, getting to know the Hillcrest Covenant Church community. And, and God has been stirring in me more and more lately a hunger to know some who are outside of our church, to have friendships with those who aren't attending this church or any church. And so he's given me a few ideas of ways to do that. We, we've talked about our neighbors before. It's got to start in our neighborhood, right? Those people that live next to us in the apartment, those down the street from our house. We, we need to love our neighbors well. Jesus said that, love your neighbor. And I think he meant it. And so I, I shared with you about uh, uh, Susan, one of our neighbors who showed up with the day we moved in. She brought us dinner that night and we've had a chance to talk with her and meet in the driveway or by the mailbox. And, and uh, we've loved praying for her. She came to church with us uh, kind of halfway through December here at Hillcrest. And we're hoping that that friendship will continue to develop as we're going through this year. And we want to be intentional with our other neighbors. Uh, we're, we're members over at the Jewish Community Center, and I found out a few months ago that on Tuesday nights at the J, they have drop-in volleyball. I like playing volleyball, so that's one of the commitments I've made to the Lord. Like in this 2022, twice a month, I want to show up and play volleyball at the J, and I'm hoping I can start to meet some people there, build some friendships with those who are, are yet to come to know what Jesus has done for them. And it's just these practical things we can do to love people well, to create new friendships. So you woke up this morning, God put breath in your lungs for a reason. You're here because he wants you to be salt. And it's never too, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You can create new relationships with people. You can find ways to connect with new people and share this great love that God has revealed to us. How could God use you to help someone experience his grace as we move into this new year? I want to encourage you to be the salt. You are the salt of the earth. Live that out. You got to get close to those who are far from God that you might be able to live out that salty identity that you have. I want to share one more quote with you from a pastor named Craig Groeschel. Um, he's got a church in Oklahoma, Covenant Church in Oklahoma, that's kind of spreading around the nation. He writes these words. When you walk into a room, light walks in. Hope and truth walk in. When you walk into a room, you bring grace, encouragement, and the love of Christ. Christianity isn't an observational faith. Meaning you don't, you don't just watch it from afar. If you're a Christian, it's a participatory faith. We don't just go to church. We are the church. You are the salt of the world. You are the salt of the earth. God wants to appeal and draw people to him through your influence, through what you are doing. So let's be that salt. Let's think of that one person and ask God to help us engage with them. And maybe it's someone you don't even know yet. You ask God and say, hey, Father, Today, let me see you at work. Today, I want to encounter someone who doesn't know you. Help me to build a friendship. You know what? He's going to honor that prayer every time. So let's ask it right now, right? Will you pray with me? Let's talk to God together. 
Father God, we're so thankful for this time with you. We're so thankful that you create in us a new life, that we are a new creation because you have forgiven us and redeemed us and brought us back to yourself. And Father, Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. Father, help us to believe that, to embrace that identity, to understand what that means, that we are ones that can bring out the God flavors of this world, that as we interact with people, as we hear their stories, as we ask questions, that, that we might be able to help them see that, Father, you're working in their life in ways they can't even identify. Lord, allow us to be an encouragement to those who have yet to come to know Jesus. Give us opportunity, even today, to point someone towards you. Help us to avoid judgments. Help us to avoid condemnation. Lord, we don't need to beat anybody up. Lord, you've called us to love and to be an expression of grace in the lives of those around us. So we invite you to help us live that way. Help us to live out this, this calling to be salt, to be light. Father, you've prepared good things for us to do. And as we do those good things, people will glorify you. They will see you at work in this world. And we pray, Father, that we might have opportunity see that even today, even this week. Spark our minds, create, give us imagination to think of new ways that we can be involved in the lives of those who you love so deeply. Thank you, Father, for that love that you've expressed to us. You've adopted us in as your sons and daughters. Help us to live out that life today because of grace, because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.